Welcome to That You May Grow Thereby, a work of the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ. We are located at 18 Scott Drive in Florence, Kentucky. Our phone number is 859-371-2095. You can also visit us at www.nkcofc.com. And now, that you may grow thereby. Thank you for listening to That You May Grow Thereby. My name is Greg Littmer, and I am one of the elders of the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ. And for this episode today, I'd like to talk to you about two different subjects. The first is, why do we say what we say? And the second is, teaching our children to work. So why do we say what we say? That's a subject about which that I have thought a great bit over the years. And last week something came up that made me decide to write about it. I received a call from someone close to me and he told me that someone had told him why a particular preacher had been asked to leave a congregation where he was working. As you can imagine, the reason given was such to stimulate all kinds of conjecture and suspicion. I must say the first thought that went through my mind was, why is this stuff being talked about? Frankly, it was none of my business, none of the caller's business, and certainly none of the business of the one who was spreading the word, whether it was true or not. I wondered, why was it said? What was the purpose? Because I knew it certainly wasn't love or honest concern for the brother involved. So why was it ever said? I wonder that about a lot of things that are said. Why do we say what we say? In Ephesians 4 and verse 29 we find, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. Corrupt communication can be defined in many ways. It can and does include bad language lower, worthless comments, rotten statements, and foul speech. It is the kind of language that tears down rather than builds up, and that accomplishes nothing but to bring the ungodly thoughts that are in the mind of the speaker to the mind of the hearer. Let us suppose that I know something that is not particularly good about someone. If I get on the phone and tell someone else what I know, and the person I tell is not that individual, then why in the world did I say it? I have racked my brain, but I cannot come up with one single good reason for doing that, and certainly not one reason with which God would be pleased. The Bible is replete with warnings about the danger of allowing destructive speech and less than edifying language to make its way into our lives. Jesus said in Matthew 12 and verse 36, But I say unto you, that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. Solomon said, Be not rash with thy mouth, and let not thine heart be hasty to utter anything before God. For God is in heaven, and thou upon earth. Therefore let thy words be few. Even if something is true, we must ask ourselves why we say it. Our purpose is to reflect the will of God in our speech. 
We are charged with the responsibility to say those things that will provide spiritual and moral benefit to those who hear. In other words, to give grace to the hearers. In Proverbs 25 and verse 20, Solomon wrote, He who sings songs to a heavy heart is like one who takes off a garment on a cold day and like vinegar on a wound. Thus Solomon shows that the wise and proper use of the gift of speech even includes knowing when to speak and when to keep quiet. Sometimes I believe that folks get to thinking that truth is truth no matter when it is spoken, and in a certain sense that is true. However, just because something happens to be true doesn't mean that saying it is always fitting or needed, and it certainly doesn't mean that saying it is always meant to edify. Why do we say what we say? Is it ever right to gossip, to engage in the idle talk about the personal affairs of others? No, it is not. Is it ever right to bring something to someone's attention if my true motive for saying it is to cause someone pain? No, it is not. Is it ever right to bring the shortcomings of an individual to someone else's attention in order to build myself up or to make them think less of the individual? No, it is not. Is it ever right to use the God-given blessing of speech in an effort to hurt somebody? No, it is not. Staying in Proverbs 25, look at verses 9 through 12. Solomon wrote, Debate thy cause with thy neighbor himself, and discover not a secret to another, lest he that hear it Put thee to shame, and thine infamy turn not away. A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in pictures of silver. As an earring of gold and an ornament of fine gold, so is a wise reprover upon an obedient ear. Sometimes it is necessary to give constructive criticism to an individual. But even then, we had better be certain in our hearts that it is truly meant to be constructive and not destructive. I might tell someone something that he needs to know, and it might even prove to be constructive criticism. But if I do it to tear him down or hurt him, I have sinned just as surely as if my motive was wrong. How about the second subject that I want to talk to you about today? Teaching our children to work. Parents have the responsibility given to them by God and we owe it to our children to teach them to work. Young people need to be taught that work is not a punishment but that man was created in order to work. Indeed work is essential to the happiness of man. It is part of the way that God created us. In Genesis 2 and verse 15, before any kind of sin had been committed, we find the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. In a wonderful and perfect state, God gave man to do. Work to do. The great man of wisdom, Solomon, had a lot to say about work and the vital place it plays in the happiness and fulfillment of man. In Proverbs 10, 4-5, we find, He becomes poor that deals with a slack hand, 
but the hand of the diligent makes rich. He that gathers in the summer is a wise son. Proverbs 13 and verse 4 says, The soul of the sluggard desires and has nothing, but the soul of the diligent shall be made fat. Proverbs 13.11 says, He that tills his land shall be satisfied with bread. Solomon wrote in Ecclesiastes chapter 9 and verse 10, Whatsoever thy hand finds to do, do it with thy might. For there is no work, nor device, nor knowledge, nor wisdom in the grave, whither thou goes. And in Ecclesiastes 11 and verse 6 we are told, In the morning sow thy seed, and in the evening withhold not thy hand. For thou knowest not whether shall prosper, either this or that, or whether they both shall be alike good. In the New Testament the principle remains the same. Paul instructs us in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 28, Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good, that he may have to give to him that needs. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 verses 11 and 12 makes the point so clearly in this way. Paul wrote, Study to be quiet and to do your own business and to work with your own hands as we commanded you, that you may walk honestly toward them that are without, and that you may have lack of nothing. Second Thessalonians chapter 3 verses 10 through 12 says, For even when we were with you, this we commanded you, that if any would not work, neither should he eat. For we hear that there are some which walk among you disorderly, working not at all, but are busybodies, Now them that are such we command and exhort by our Lord Jesus Christ that with quietness they work and eat their own bread. The point is well taken. Part of teaching our children the way of the Lord is to teach them the need to work. It is a good thing for young people to be given tasks to perform in the home while they are little. In this way the foundation is being laid. A parent who never requires any work of his children while they are growing up in the home has not done those children any favors. In fact, they may have taken a step in raising a lazy child who will grow to be a lazy adult. As a child grows and reaches the age where he can legally obtain a job, it is a good thing for him to do. He learns responsibility, the value of a dollar, and the pride of doing a job well. It certainly makes you proud as a parent to see your child go out and get his first job. And haven't we all smiled a little bit when we had to explain to our child who FICA is and why they took all of that money? However, brethren, in all of this, there is something to which we need to give careful consideration. The most important lesson that we are to teach our children is that God comes first, not school, not sports, not recreation, and not even a job. It has been my observation that when children are allowed to take a job that causes them to miss services on a regular basis, nothing good ever comes out of it. The teenage years are often the time when children are struggling with some major issues and where God fits into their lives is one of those issues. I truly believe, parents, 
that we need to help them understand that of all there is that this world has to offer and to enjoy and to appreciate, God is the only one who gives it all meaning. What good are the things money can buy without God? What good is the satisfaction that comes from doing a job if that job has required God to take a back seat? Being at services, being with Christians, studying God's word, and just being in the godly environment is more important than any secular job. I know from experience that a child can find a job that does not require him or her to miss services. I know as well that many employers are actually happy to give a young person the time off on Wednesday evening if they have Bible study and Sunday to attend worship services. Many of them are happy to have young people who attend worship services working for them because those kinds of kids usually have a certain moral standard by which they live. I also know from experience that an employer who will not do that with a young person is not really worth working for in the first place and that job is not needed so desperately. It is tough to make the right decisions as we raise these precious gifts from God, but there is one thing that is certain. If we teach our children that God comes first above all else and that nothing else can take his place, including a job, it will all turn out okay. Thanks for listening today.